Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a scalable, full-stack monitoring platform. Datadog's synthetic monitoring enables you to detect front-end errors and performance errors by analyzing user sessions and receiving actionable alerts. API tests help you detect and debug user-facing issues in critical endpoints and applications. Build and deploy self-maintaining browser tests to simulate user journeys from global locations. Start proactively monitoring your user experience today with a free 14-day trial of Datadog by visiting datadog.com slash frontend dash cloudcast. That's datadog.com slash frontend dash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And it is Aaron for Cloud News this week. A couple really interesting articles uh, that we have here. And of course, as always, links are in the show notes. But if we move on to the first article, the CNCF has released their 2022 annual survey. And it is a monster. Over 2,000 respondents, first of all, as well as bringing in data from Buoyant, Datadog, and Dynatrace. So really, really big sample size. I'm not going to go into the details. Normally, I I give a few highlights here. This one is really big. Uh, It is definitely worth going and checking out. Certainly, certainly recommend it. As a quick side joke, though, I will say this. um, The CNCF had a a question that was, uh, how much technical experience do you have? And the answers were less than two years, two to five years, six to 10 years, or more than 10 years. And 20-ish percent, uh, 22 to 15 percent, depending on if you're an end user or not an end user, how you classified yourself, more than 10 years experience. And that just makes me feel really, really, really old. I need definitely another couple categories in there. So I apologize for that, uh, but I did find that kind of interesting and entertaining. Like I said, lots of stats on adoption, Um, what technologies are being used, how much is being used in production, um, sizes of clusters, a little bit of everything and anything. So definitely go check that out. For our second article, um, platform engineering continues to get the rounds and and get attention and make a little bit of a buzz. Um, Sam Newman did an article, uh, a pretty lengthy article on platform engineering. What is it? How did it come to be some of the things that were maybe limitations with Kubernetes back in the day and and how it didn't necessarily achieve the vision um, originally that everyone thought it was and hence the rise of this platform engineering. And is it platform? Is it platforms? Plural. A little bit of uh, really good, insightful reading about the concepts of this. And then based off of that, Adrian Cockcroft did a blog on it as well that is Platform Engineering Teams Done Right? And really good read. This one has certainly been making the rounds. And in there, Adrian has four principles uh, that really any platform engineering team should adhere to. And it is definitely worth reading those. Again, for sake of time, I'm not going to go into all of them right now, but I would highly recommend that you read both of these articles if platform engineering is something that you are interested in. 
And so with that, I'm going to wrap up Cloud News for this week. Coming up after the break, we have Kyle Weller, head of product over at OneHouse, and we're going to be talking about data lakes, data warehouses, and Apache Hoodie. Are you struggling to keep up with the demands of managing and securing identity in your distributed enterprise IT environment? You're not alone, but don't let it hold you back. With Strata's identity orchestration platform, you can secure all your apps on any cloud with any IDP, so your IT teams will never have to refactor for identity again. Imagine modernizing app identity in minutes instead of months, deploying passwordless on any trickled app, and achieving business resilience with always-on identity, all from one lightweight and flexible platform. Want to see it in action? Share your identity challenge with us on a discovery call, and we'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cloudcast. That's strata.io slash cloudcast. Today's show is sponsored by How to Fix the Internet, an original podcast from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Sometimes it can feel like we are moving towards a digital future no one wants, but it doesn't have to be that way. There are choices we can make to create an internet that makes a better future for all of us. In each episode, Cindy Cohn and Jason Kelly invite someone with a vision on how to fix the internet, someone with real solutions on how to move the needle forward towards a better online world. We checked out the Freedom to Tinker episode of How to Fix the Internet, and it was interesting to see how we can learn from open source and lessons from the past to fix future challenges. Search for How to Fix the Internet in your podcast player, and we'll include a link in the show notes. Our thanks to How to Fix the Internet for their support. And we're back. And uh, Aaron, you know, we get a chance, you know, we, we, we've said this many times and, and oftentimes people are, are new to the show. Uh, you know, they're new, you know, this week or, you know, many weeks. Um, you know, a couple of things that we really love to dig into, not only uh, for you and I, is to get a chance to learn some new topics that, you know, we're not necessarily, you know, deep in expertise in. And then we also love to talk to companies who are who are new in this space, you know, companies who are uh, new startups. That's always been kind of the foundation of our show. Um, and so today we get to kind of check both those boxes. We get to do both those things today. We're going to dive very, very deep into uh, some new um, technology that's going to help people build data lakes, uh, do data streaming. So really, we're going to kind of get into data analytics and, and how to manage all this data coming on from your company. So, man, uh, you know, you're always excited about this stuff. Give me your sense of, uh, you know, what's uh, what's on your mind. Yeah, so it was really interesting because, you know, for those that, that don't know, you know, we we record these shows and and actually I will say there's a decent amount of research that the people don't see that goes into all of these, you know, us preparing the, the show topics and and it's always fun for me to do that portion of it of, you know, take a, an hour, two hours, you know, however long it takes to kind of start to dig into a topic. And I admit, yeah, data lakes, hey, I was kind of familiar with that. And data warehouses, I was kind of familiar with that. And now we're probably going to be talking about data lake houses today. And what is that? And what does that mean? And like, it was just a fascinating uh, deep dive into the, the tech today. Yeah, the area has, has expanded tremendously. So really, really excited today to uh, have our guest on, Kyle Weller, who is head of product at One House. Uh, Kyle, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Hey, thanks so much, Aaron and Brian. It's great to be here. Yeah, so um, so we're going to dive a little bit into some background, but uh, 
you know, first and foremost, um, give us a little bit about your background. Obviously, you've been in this space for for quite a while, but um, not only some of your background, but then you know, where do you focus your efforts on on One House? You guys are now uh, a little over a year old. Uh, just took a, a twenty five million dollar round of funding, so congratulations on that. But uh, give us a little bit of your background, and then where do you where do you focus your efforts these days? Yeah, great. Thanks. I can share an intro background and then also some of the motivations that brought me to One House tells the story of what I focus on here. So yeah. I've been in the data space about 10 years myself. Uh, most of that time was spent at Microsoft and I w- started out building large scale <laughs> data platforms for global services, things like Office uh, things like uh, the Microsoft Search Engine Bing. I listened to one of your shows previously. You talked about the Microsoft Revolution, and I found some of those interesting as well. Um, and then uh, Cortana was another product that I built uh, data platforms for. Then I switched to building data products itself. I was in the Azure Machine Learning organization and um, built a cool product that lets you put R and Python code inside your um, SQL Server runtimes. Um, which was new that never been done before. And then most recently, I was a product lead for Azure Databricks. If folks listening um, don't know, Microsoft and Databricks struck up a partnership um, near 2017, 2018. And uh, we took uh, the Databricks product and we launched it as a first party Microsoft service on Azure. That was really exciting. I was there when we first launched the service. It was quickly the fastest growing, most popular um, data analytics service on, on Azure. And it was an incredible ride. So I was there in the front lines of um, this emergence of the term. I heard on your intro uh, uh, mention the term lighthouse. Um, so we can get into that a little bit later. But um, what I started to, to notice is that building data lakes and building this architectural pattern like the lighthouse was kind of a DIY experience. And um, while the tools, technologies, all these things, they're emerging, they're great. They help you unlock like new solutions and and reach untapped uh, uh, data that you have. Um, it still was an arduous process to build these systems and operate these systems. And so I bumped into the founder or the creator of Apache Hootie. And he was looking to um, build a new company, which today is One House. And Apache Hootie is really similar to a core technology that Databricks has called Delta Lake. And so I met him and and learned about what the project was about. And then the thing that caught my eye was how the the vision of One House, we wanted to make it easy to operationalize data lakes, easy to stand up data lakes. And so that's what I focus on here at One House is how can we help people that want to build a data lake get it done in minutes? Rather than it usually takes three to six engineers, like six months to a year to build these kind of systems. Um, and I've seen it time and time again. I've worked with hundreds of customers to to build these systems. And we're um, building a service that can get it done in minutes with a few clicks. So that's what I'm really excited for. Hopefully it can help a lot more people adopt the data lake, adopt a lake house uh, uh, type architecture pattern. And then they can um, use our product complementary to other services like Databricks and um, EMR or Athena, any of the other uh, query query engines that are out there on the data lake. Nice, fantastic. And I think a good place to start um, is let's dive into to Hoodie a little bit. Um, so yeah. first of all, um, before I get into that, y- y'all raised a, a very nice Series A round um, actually yesterday. Uh, as we're That's recording right. this. So $25 million Series A. So first of all, congrats on that. Um, you know, getting 
funding in these uh, economy in this climate is 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 difficult at best. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so much different situation from um, last year. Yes. And, and and so but but if we look at Apache hoodie um, and you really start to dig into its evolution and the problem it's it's solving and how it came about. It also was a little bit of like, well, yeah, of course, you know, you guys are going to get funding on something like this. So tell everyone a little bit about why Hoodie, right? Like, why not just a data lake? Why not just a data warehouse and this concept of a lake house? And tell everyone the background that that kind of drove this project and, and what kind of problems is it solving? Great. Yeah, I can talk a little bit about the origin story of Apache Hoodie um, and its motivations to get to where it was today. Um, this was created by our founder and CEO at One House here. His name is Vinod Chandar. He was a, an employee at Uber during Uber's hyper growth phase. And Uber's data system at the time, they had very large deployment of Vertica, which is a data warehouse. And um, this data warehouse during their during their hyper growth phase, you can imagine the amount of data that uh, Uber was processing was incredibly large. And their systems were were failing to scale. They were becoming very costly. Um, they needed alternatives. They needed to grow out of their deployments that they had. And so the next best alternative that they looked to was a data lake. Um, in the 2016 era, you know, data lakes data lakes emerged um, around the uh, growth of search engines and um, social media giants. Um, and then, you know, at this time, data lakes were, were a little bit more mature, but some of the gaps that existed, especially coming from a data warehouse environment to a data lake, some of the gaps that are really obvious there, uh, the data lakes are um, like immutable file stores. It's a collection of files and these files are immutable. You can't like edit the files. So what happens when, you know, in, in this world in 2016, and beyond GDPR, someone requests a delete of their information to Uber, right? If you have this data on a lake with immutable file stores, it's very challenging to, to delete that record, delete that data of an individual. Or um, also you think about uh, the type of workloads that must have been present there at Uber, a lot of these being transactional in nature about data changing, not just about new data flowing in, but about, hey, a rider or a driver's location changing um, in near real time, right? Uh, also, it's very hard to process transactions on a data lake. Um, and so some of these core concepts of, of transactionality, um, concurrency control, um, these different factors didn't exist on the lake. And that's where Vinoth created um, the first of these projects uh, to to solve these issues. So they did that. They uh, were able to unlock and build on the data lake. They brought their processing times from like over 24 hours. I can't remember the exact statistic, but it used to take them over 24 hours to process this data, to be able to use for their like people that operated the cities in Uber um, and decided and, and made calls on like how they deployed drivers and everything else. It used to take them over 24 hours and now they could get it done with, with Apache Hui in, you know, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes kind of uh, latencies, which was incredible. Interesting. Interesting. So, and, and, you know, we've, we've mentioned this before to folks, you know, one of the, one of the challenges, one of the things that we love about having, um, you know, new companies and, and new technologies on the show is we get to introduce a lot of people to them. Um, 
sometimes uh, these technologies are, are fairly robust. There's a lot involved with them. So we did put a bunch of things in the show notes. So as anybody's listening to this and you're going, okay, cool, Ryan's diving into this, uh, you know, I want to be able to do it. There, there's a bunch of things in the show notes for that as well. Um, Ryan, I want to, I want to ask, you know, we're going to dive a little deeper into, into hoodie. Um, but as, as Aaron and I were sort of looking through there, uh, there's a bunch of terminology that's uh, sort of new, at least for those of us that that don't, you know, live in sort of the data lake world all the time or the data warehouse world. Um, things like delta lakes, lake houses, icebergs, like w- <laughs> help us sort of connect the dots with all of these sort of water metaphors. Like wh- what do they all mean? Uh, you yes. know, like how do they connect together? Yeah. Yes, great. Yes, the water metaphors. Uh, everyone loves to poke fun at them. And the one I was just thinking about the other day is this concept of uh, you build data lakes inside of buckets in cloud storage. So cloud storage, like S3, you call them, um, you call them buckets. Right. And so we're building these uh, giant lakes like you might see inside of a quote-unquote bucket. I like the metaphors there. But uh, yes, data lakes have been around for a long time. This concept of a lake house um, is fairly new. And what it means is it's trying to represent a merge um, of the best capabilities of a data lake and a data warehouse. So that's where that uh, term comes from, lake and warehouse, and you have lake house. And, and, um, and if somebody said, what are, the, what are the best attributes of those? What, what are those best attributes? Yes. The best attributes about a data warehouse that are not present on a lake that you can unlock with a lake house. Some of those are transaction support, um, schema enforcement. Like I mentioned, this is just a collection of files on like an S3 ADLS GCS storage. So you can get schema enforcement and table representations um, in a lake house. You want to be able to unlock BI support. And what I mean by this is like a, um, a traditional data analyst be able to run a simple SQL queries and be able to have uh, good performance on top of their data lakes with, with BI support. Um, you can have this, uh, a lake house is supposed to be um, open and it it is designed to help you get flexibility in how you piece together different tools and technologies and, and query engines. And so that's one core tenant of, of, of a lake house where if you build a data warehouse, um, it's usually more like a, a a silo, and you're kind of locked to the vendor's decision of which tools they allow into the system. Got you. Okay, that's super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and for me, it was really interesting for like, okay, yeah, data lake is like just a big blob of data, but getting stuff out of that big blob of data may be hard, and so that's where data warehouse yeah. came in. But then yeah. I would imagine you're doing some kind of, I don't want to say data migration, but data syncing between the two. And so then you could have data drift or some of these other things yes. of how often things. So then you have this idea of a data uh, a data lake house that combines the two of them because at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's one less time you're touching the data and then you have That's hopefully right. the best of both worlds. That's right. You want a single source of truth. Yes. Got you. Fantastic. Well, and so I'm going to take the, take this one step further then. So, so hoodie itself really seems to be the focus is, is streaming data lakes. And so, you know, data streaming in all the time. And I know there's different kinds of data lakes or when, you know, data gets input into them, but Tell me a little bit more, you know, Uber is certainly a good example, but what kind of applications, you know, go into these streaming data lakes and when does the transactions come into play? And like, tell us a little bit more about like the capabilities both in and out. 
of something. Yeah, great. Great. Thanks for teeing up the question. And I would say that um, Apache Hoodie has unique differentiators and strengths that make it ideal and the best solution out there on the market today for streaming type workloads when in comparison to um, the other top three projects that are out there, uh, Delta Lake and Iceberg. Um, but I wouldn't say that Ap- Apache Hoodies only focuses on streaming. So I'll just uh, call that out. Um, the reason why it is the best for these type of workloads starts from near its origin. Um, Apache Hoodie had built this um, new type of design where every other system that 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 tries to um, build transactionality on on the lake, they do so in a write mode that's called a uh, copy on write. What that means is you take files and when you apply changes to them, you actually rewrite the file to a new version. And then there's a metadata layer that enforces um, uh, the ACID transactional guarantees. It tells anyone reading or writing which version of the files to go to. Now, Apache Hoodie created this new way to write data call that we call merge on read. And merge on read is really great for streaming workloads and low latency workloads because when you first write the data, everyone typically writes in this file format called Parquet file format. And Parquet is a columnar file format. It's designed for really fast queries. Because when you read data, you're 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 asking the data, you're asking with a query, select this data um, from where, and then in your where clause, you put some uh, predicates. And these predicates turn into like column filters. And so the Parquet file format's really lined up to have fast performant queries. Now it's expensive to write and it's slow to write Parquet files. And so Apache Hootie actually blends this and says, you can uh, store your data in Parquet file formats for your blazing fast queries, but when you're actually writing data, the incoming data first can land in a file format that's called Avro file format, and these are row-based files. And the row-based files are really fast to write, um, but it's more expensive to read them. So Apache Hootie then additionally adds a service alongside that you can t- fine tune and decide like its frequency and schedule, but it will go then and allow you to get really fast writes. And then at the uh, intervals that you choose, it will then compact that data back into columnar files. So you can get the best of both worlds, really fast writing, um, but then performant reads when you need them. Um, so it's a really great balancing act and it can like I've seen plenty of customers when they go from that copy on write mode to emerge on read. Wow. They can, they can make their uh, uh, data systems much faster. And even the the CPU and, and resource utilization will will go down. Yeah, and that that to me, from from having seen different systems over the years, it that always feels like the trade-off is is, you know, what's the what's the core aspect of of the engine? And then as you're trying to add other things, whether it's uh, you know, transactions or SQL queries or other integrations, like what what trade-offs are you kind of giving up and so forth? It, it, it's it's always interesting to kind of look at the, the pros and cons. You actually have a really good uh, chart I was looking at uh, on the website here a couple of days ago um, that kind of walks through you know, what those pros and cons are. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, Aaron and I have, have, we've been around the open source world for, for a long time, uh, stitching together open source projects or platforms can be complicated. You know, you, you mentioned just in the intro, like it, it's not unusual for folks to, to take you know multiple engineers over multiple months to to you know wire up or get a, a data lake up and running, um, you know that's going to be constraining, especially in in this economy where we're seeing you know budgets tightening, we're seeing sometimes less people uh, thrown at stuff. 
what are some of the things that that one house does to sort of simplify that obviously you know if if a, a line of business person comes to you and, and and you respond back and you go well i can get that done in you know three months six months and and then we start working on it like that's pretty unacceptable yeah. what do you guys do to try and simplify all that yeah great question um so i'll start with if you look at any of these query engines that exist on uh, data lake and um, you know d- different vendors like uh, databricks um, starburst dmr athena any of these when you look at them the origin of where they start with the data is the data on s3 the data in gcs ADLS, and they and they start their queries from there but how did the data get there in the first place and some of that is is sometimes the hardest battle and and you think about the data and life cycle of journey and, and where it emerges from you've got like applications, um, you've got services, this data has telemetry that's logged and then stored and captured and then brought. This whole process to bring it to the lake is pretty challenging. And so at One House, what we offer is if you have data in event streams, whether these are Kafka, Pulsar, you name it, or you've got data in transactional databases, which that's where like most people have enormous amounts of data um, close to their line of business applications. Um, so things like Postgres, MySQL, Oracle, any of these like databases, or if you have data in other uh, uh, storage locations, they're usually hard for a data analyst or data scientist to write and under write analytics or or analyze the data these are tra- rdbms transactional type systems where you can't just like write sql to and so we can take your data from any of these sources and with low latency continuous ingestion pipelines so you know click a couple buttons define the the path definition your authentication to these systems and then we will stream the data to you in a data lake and specifically in Apache Hootie, uh, like Lakehouse style table. And then we will sync this to N number of catalogs that you would like. If you want this uh, with a glue catalog or a data hub catalog, you name it. And then your data is like ready to go. You can open up any of these query engines. If you have a Presto deployment or you're using Athena or you want to use Apache Spark or Databricks, now you uh, connect these systems. Um, They look at your catalog and they see, hey, here's a table. And under all that, we did all the heavy lifting to get it to the lake um, to keep those tables performant, optimized, organized, and and available to you. Um, so it's kind of a self-serve analytics platform. Very nice. Very nice. Um, <clears throat> that's a fantastic overview. And and we're kind of at time here. So I'm going to close out with one final one, because actually, I, I think this is uh, really eye-opening for our listeners. Um what are some examples of of how companies are really using both one house and and hoodie today because i mean there's some pretty significant use cases and some pretty significant customers that people probably use every day and don't realize it yeah yeah it's really it's really eye opening when you start to dive in and learn and read so you can check out um apache hoodie blogs or um one house blogs or i also posted a new product page along with our uh, funding release and i put some customer stories on side there if you, if you want to go read i'll start with one um really fast about apache hoodie the one that i'm blown away with every time i look at it uh, the scale of ByteDance, the company that uh, makes TikTok, which many of your listeners may or may not use, a uh, polarizing app, I guess. Um, but ByteDance, they have crazy amounts of data. One, like 
they have one single table that's over 400 petabytes in size, 400 petabytes. <laughs> and, and they use Apache Hoodie um, um, to process their, their data platform that's used for their machine learning algorithms that train and decide which video to show you next on that swipe. And these 400 petabyte tables, they're pumping 100 gigabytes a second of data, a throughput. And Apache Hoodie was brought into the mix and they brought their analytics latency from days down to minutes. And in the stories they tell you can go read about it, even like 70% CPU savings overall. So a lot of cost reduction, a lot of speed gain up with, with Apache Hoodie, incredible scale. Um, of course, One House, we're a newer uh, company. We work with large enterprises, but we also work with startups. Um, and you'll see on our on our product page, if you read some of these, there's uh, quite a variety of, of use cases. People doing uh, full change data capture from services like MySQL, um, building real-time machine learning pipelines, um, replacing long batch processing times, kind of what uh, the, similar to the ByteDance story. And then even if you're ingesting clickstream data, you have some mobile app and you're, you're capturing data and you can process all the clickstreams down on through. And um, our customers today with One House, they're connecting to other systems because we don't build a query engine ourselves and we do so purposefully so that we don't try to build like a vertical um, lock-in stack. And our customers are using things like Athena, Spark, BigQuery, Presto, Star Rocks. There's a whole collection of services that we can help connect your data to um, uh, to make it analytics ready. Yeah, no, and it looks like you guys you guys also do a bunch of integrations with with Databricks and Snowflake, and you know, which yep. has become you know pretty commonplace in in almost every big company these days. So yeah, exciting yep. stuff, exciting stuff, Kyle. Uh, you know. As we mentioned, we could probably go into into a lot of depth of this stuff, uh, you know, go much much longer. But you guys are obviously the the sort of the best source of, of diving into this. What's uh, what's the best way if people want to reach out to you, want to reach out to uh, the One House team, or even just kind of get engaged around the, the hoodie community? What are good ways to to engage with you guys? Yes, you can reach out to me personally at my email, Kyle at OneHouse.ai, or you can come through our homepage at OneHouse.ai, and there's ways to connect there. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and also the Apache Hoodie community is really rich. Find us on Slack, GitHub, Twitter. Um, we're around and we're happy to talk about data lakes, lake houses, data warehouses, any of the above. We love chatting about these type of topics and, and happy to dive in deeper. Very, very cool. Very cool. Well, Aaron, um, you know, we as we mentioned at the top of the show, we love having new startups. Um, obviously, it's always exciting to see folks who are, you know, coming out of places like Uber and others who have done this at, at huge scale be able to start offering their expertise, uh, you know, in, in other commercial ways. So exciting stuff. Uh, you want to wrap it up and uh, take us home? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you everyone for listening this week. And, and Kyle, thank you very much for your time. Super informative. For everyone out there, uh, if you enjoy the show, please uh, leave us a review if possible, wherever you get your podcasts and also tell a friend. We would greatly appreciate that. If you want to give us feedback, um, it's always show at thecloudcast.net or on Twitter at thecloudcastnet. And for that, I'm going to wrap it up for this week and we will talk to everyone next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 